0: Uh, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Hello Mentor. Uh, today's episode was actually recorded via Zoom uh, because of the movement control order in Malaysia. Um, So, the sound quality might change a little bit from the usual uh, episode, but the conversations are nevertheless still just as interesting. Today, we have Rosella Marie with us. Uh, She's a singer, songwriter, and voiceover artist, originally from Kota Kinabalu in Sabah. Uh, After having her Tiger Jams winning single, Home To You, uh, remixed by popular Scottish electronic band Churches in 2016, uh, her hit single XOXO uh, garnered 14 New Music Friday playlists on Spotify. Uh, she's one of the very few Malaysians who have been featured on the New Music Friday playlist in, in the US. Um, and besides making music, uh, she's the founder of True Complexion, a social awareness platform that celebrates inclusion and diversity. Uh, Rosella is also uh, an Obama Foundation. Asia-Pacific leader, uh, an Eisenhower Global Fellow, and a TEDx speaker. Uh, and with that, let's start the conversation. Hello. Hi. Hi, hi Zella.
1: How hey, are you? Hi.
0: <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. Uh, how's life? how's life working at home?
1: Uh, it's been up and down, you know, getting used to uh, the isolation, um, just not going out so much because a lot of my work, you know, is revolved around events and being around people, being around my community. Uh, so that's a little bit of a struggle. Uh, but I guess you just get used to the quiet and try and focus on um, other things instead, creating different type of content.
0: Right, right. So I imagine you, you have a lot of Zoom calls right now or something too
1: many <laughs>
0: too many yeah 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 it's actually quite tiring talking on zoom for too long i realize like so different rather than actually meeting someone in person
1: yeah but i guess that's going to be part of our new normal you know considering the fact that uh this is going to continue for a while um so i guess we have to just get used to it
0: yeah i know right Uh, so Rizal so when we kind of uh, went through like the stuff you've been doing I find it very interesting you've been through quite a journey and you do various things right now but I kind of want to rewind it uh, a little bit to the beginning and when I say beginning maybe we'll start with uh, university uh, and one of the reasons I like to start at university is because a lot of people that listen to our podcast they're either still in university or you know university wasn't that far away that they're still fairly young so um, I noticed that you actually picked mass communication and Media studies as your major back then. Like, was mm-hmm. was there? Did you was there a particular reason why you picked that? Did you have a particular dream uh, at that point?
1: I think for me, you know, I always like being in a creative industry. Uh, One of the things that I really love is written words. Uh, Not that I really wanted to be a journalist, but I love storytelling. Uh, And I think mass communication allowed me uh, to be exposed to various mediums of storytelling. You know, so um, we did a little bit of advertising, a little bit of film and TV, uh, journalism as well. So, you know, all these uh, bits of pockets that you learn about storytelling because that was what excited me the most. Yeah, how do we uh, use our stories and uh, create content from there, you know, and how do you create uh, something from nothing at all?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, storytelling is like a really important and very big thing, which I think a lot of people underappreciate. Yeah,
1: I think it's it's an important skill to have, you know, how are we going to pass down stories from generation to generation, right? To learn about what happened in the past, um, how can we evolve and change? I think storytelling is a tool that has a lot of lessons behind it that we can learn from. I mean, even this is a form of storytelling, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 100%, right? And, and, and it's like, um, it's a big part of communication. And it's a
1: big part, actually, yeah,
0: yeah I, I really wish that people would teach it in school. Like I, learned, I learned, I mostly learned this concept like fairly recently, as in like in recent years you know, after I've, I've had a job and stuff like that, that storytelling was like a really big thing. And I and I find that surprising. What I like to tell people a lot is to distinguish between learning language and learning communication. So, like, you can be really good in English, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're good at communicating, right? And, and storytelling is a very big part of that. Um, yeah.
1: And it's something that you can use in various fields, you know, like... Uh, we have all these uh, social media marketing now that's happening, which is uh, a form of storytelling in business as well. How do you communicate with your customers? You know, it's through storytelling, right? So I think it's a powerful tool in uh, various different industries.
0: Mm, mm. And And the medium and the channel might change, but the concept and the stories behind it don't really change, right?
1: Exactly.
0: Uh, so how did you, like, um, knowing that right, Learning what you Learned at university How has this Kind of helped you In like Kind of your life So far
1: I think Because um, you know A lot of times Like you don't End up doing What you actually learn Because uh, my major Was actually in Film and TV uh, mm. Which is something That uh, I'm not doing right now, um, but I think what I really learned, uh, which I'm still applying today, is uh, the various tiny fields. Because uh, I do a little bit PR for myself. Um, I work with uh, you know brands to do um, advertising for them. Uh, I do like interviews like this. So you know all these little things. I write as well. Um, so mm-hmm. all these little pockets of things that I kind of accumulated uh, that I learned. Um, yeah, you know, it exposes you to different experiences and these different experiences that you have just uh, becomes things that you have on your resume that makes you unique uh, in a sense. Uh, I know my path is uh, not um, as straightforward as a lot of other people because, uh, you know, I've been doing so many different things, but uh, yeah, I think that's what... I think that's what happens um, after you leave school, you know? Like, uh, it's not a straight arrow, you know? Sometimes we uh, take different bends, and uh, that's absolutely okay. You
0: know, and, and actually, like, I, I really enjoy having conversations with, like, someone like yourself at Rosella who didn't actually go through a kind of narrow career path because I find that, um, well, actually, uh, career paths in general are not narrow in general, but but it's even more interesting when I see... Um, I suppose the, I'm not sure if I'm using the right word, but how, how, how broad you've gone or how much you've diverged from, you know, what you've actually studied, right, into something yeah. so, so different and, and the fact that you're doing so many different things. So I, I, I want to kind of rewind it a little bit more. So again, like we did obviously kind of research a lot of your background, you know, before okay. we <laughs> kind of had this conversation. And a lot of the articles I found or several of the articles I found about you, they were quite prominent, was how you were very open to sharing about, you know, when you were growing up, uh, how you, uh, you had like a birthmark and that kind of affected you. And, and I could see that you kind of shared that story a little bit in the form of an article, but there's not a lot of, I suppose, not a lot of depth or like information for me to truly kind of understand what it was like. Like, could you tell us a bit more about that? Growing up, like you said, like you, you grew up and you had like a birthmark, and, and that kind of affected you. Like, could you tell us, like, what well, well, maybe just tell us a bit more about that situation?
1: Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm not from uh, KL. I come from uh, Koduk Kinabalu in Sabah. That's where I grew up. And uh, it's a really small town, especially, you know, back in the day where we didn't have like, um, access to the internet. Um, and I was born with a birthmark on my face. And I think especially when you come from a small community uh, where there's not a lot of people around you who look like you, uh, you become the alien of the community, in a in a way. Uh, So even as young as um, the age of five, you know, I got bullied in school. Uh, People used to call me names. Uh, And um, strangers would stop me on the street, uh, even my parents, and ask me what's wrong with my face, you know, um, thinking that, you know, it's something that's contagious. Uh, Right now, of course, we live in a different world where, you know, we can just uh, Google something, right? And we'll get pictures, uh, we'll get a lot of information, Uh, but back then it didn't exist Uh, And there was no such thing as social media where you can find your community there, right? Uh, So I felt uh, really alone in my journey because I felt like no one else around me understood what I was going through. Um, And it really made me uh, timid and insecure. Uh, And the way that I look, I think women in general, we struggle a lot with the way that we look because um, there's so much emphasis, you know, about our appearance and the link to our worth. And, you know, on top of that, add a birthmark on your face, which is very visible. And I think it really did affect my confidence and the way that I looked a lot. Uh, so I shied away from a lot of things. And, you know, even in school, I did not have a lot of friends. I was... Um, Oh, a loner most of the time And that's really how I think my love for music Kind of developed Because I was at home In my bedroom most of the time Reading books uh, Listening to music You know uh, Those were like my companions Yeah.
0: Wow So, so I guess um, yeah, In a way uh, A lot of that talent in music Or skill in music uh, Kind of developed Because you spent a lot of time Alone And like figuring stuff out Yourself and, and I, I imagine a lot, uh, would you say, I'm not sure, you know, I mean, uh, would you say you're an introvert? Is that, is, is, would you call yourself an introvert? I mean, I, I consider myself an introvert, uh, but uh, I, I'm not sure if everyone kind of looks at themselves in that way.
1: Yeah, I, I do consider myself an introvert, but I think when it comes to things that is important to me, things that I love, I make myself an extrovert because, you know, you have to go out there, right? Meet people um, and go to events uh, and interact with people, clients, et cetera, right? So I think I am an introvert, but I make myself an extrovert when I have to. And then after Mm -hmm. that's done, I come home and completely retreat, you know? (laughs)
0: Like,
1: okay, stay away from me.
0: (laughs) yeah i mean like i uh, i mean i'm I'm a bit like that as well so i'm quite a, 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 when I was young I was really quiet you know i i did spend a lot of time alone by myself and i find that uh in terms of creativity uh you know i'm I'm probably not as creative as you or or maybe my creativity manifests in a different way uh but sometimes being someone that can spend time by themselves, i actually think makes you know, actually improves creativity. I mean, what I'm saying is not scientific, but, you know, because because you enjoy a lot of time, like, uh, you know, just thinking about stuff, right? Writing stuff, creating stuff. And, and a lot of creative work is actually created by individuals rather than like in large groups, right? Um, and I also, and, and also like when you mentioned that, you know, you can come out and you can be an extrovert if you have to. Uh, I can really relate to that. I actually did, like I had a, a couple of years doing sales, and it was you know you might think it's unusual for an introverted person to do sales, but I think the approach is just different. Like at the moment, you know you can be an extrovert, and but I think introvert people are more thoughtful in their process because you're not naturally, uh, you know you're not naturally a social. Well, I'm not naturally a sociable person, so I give it much more thought as to oh what should I say. You know uh so i you know take a more process driven way, but I, I think it's actually very helpful for me uh, uh being that and and um so you 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 mentioned earlier that uh, obviously you know you you grew up in that state right as in like you didn't have a lot of friends in school and all that and at what point did you overcome i suppose uh you know this uh these emotions like kind of you know, feel like, now you know, like, it's okay, right? It doesn't matter. At what Ooh. point did you overcome that?
1: I think a lot of people uh, who struggle with body image issues, they tend to struggle with mental health as well, which was something that I went through, you know, growing up, especially like in my teenage years, you know, uh, on top of that, you know, you have teenage angst already, right? So uh, put another layer <laughs> on top of it. Um, uh, yeah, I really had, um, I think, a really struggled with uh, my childhood and my adolescence and really um, had a difficult time, I guess, accepting who I was and the skin that I'm in, especially because there was so much judgment uh, that told me that, you know, I don't belong, that I'm not good enough because of something that I have zero control over, which is the way that I was born, you know, the way that I look, right? And uh, for me, I think it was about, I think when people struggle with that for a long time, something big has to happen in your life to actually uh, wake you up in the sense and you have to really go downhill. Uh, And I had that, you know, I I think I reached my lowest of low point when I was about like uh, in my mid-20s. And that was the point that I realized that, okay, you know what? I need to get my act together and finally realize what is it that's going to make me happy. Because uh, I'm obviously not happy right now, you know, I I, I used to choose uh, desk jobs that hid me from the world, you know, where I didn't have to mm. go out and interact with a lot of people. And even if I did have to, it was at a capacity where I just went and then I came back straight away, you know, uh, it was very limited interaction. Um, and uh, I think just one day... Uh, I kind of took a sabbatical from work for like three months, uh, moved to KL uh, with my sister. Um, This was, I think, yeah, when I was around 27, 28. Uh, (laughs) And I remember just doing, trying to, I guess, take control of my entire life, changing my diet, waking up at 5 a.m. to do Qigong every day, you know, with all the aunties and uncles in the park. (laughs) Wow. really taking drastic action um, to kind of reframe my mindset, I guess. Uh, And the one thing that I did waking up every day is just ask myself, what is it that will make you happy? What is it that will make you happy? Uh, And then one day I actually, when my sister and her family was out, I actually saw my nephew's toy piano on the floor and I started playing it, you know, and I haven't like written music. I think I dropped that forever ago because I think it came to a point where you know I really love doing this thing but is it possible for me to even go up on stage uh with this skin with this face uh, would I be accepted by people so I kind of dropped that dream a long time ago so you know when I started like tinkling with my um, nephew's toy piano I started writing a song again uh, and it was a song called blackbird about this little bird who was too afraid to fly and that kind of just sparked my interest in music again and uh for me, that was really the thing that made me, I guess, overcome my insecurities. Because I told myself that, you know, if this is really what you want, if this is the thing that you think will make you happy, uh, then we're gonna go um, all in. So um, I signed up. I think I signed up for vocal lessons, uh, and then I signed up for my first uh, open mic night, uh, which was really, uh, wow. really, really scary, <laughs> um, insanely scary. I almost like was that like up. the first
0: time you were on stage?
1: Yeah, I mean, ever since I was a kid, you know, like, because when you're a kid, you do all these, like, funny dance routine and stuff with your class, right? Yeah, it was the first time I was on stage as, I guess, since I was a teenager, maybe. So a very, very long time. Uh, And I told myself, you know, hey, if this is really what you want to do, then we're going to commit. So, and it was very anxiety-inducing, you know, every single time that I forced myself to go up there um, and sing uh, and perform in front of people. Uh, But I think... The more I started pushing myself, uh, the more I became comfortable with who I am. Yeah. So it was, uh, it's a really, really long process, uh, a really long answer to your question, but yeah, it didn't happen overnight. It it took a lot of hard work, I think, and really finding what, I guess, finding what is the thing that uh, gave me joy and uh, pursuing that. And finally, um, after pursuing it, realizing that, okay, yeah, this is who I am and, uh, Regardless of what people think, whether I should do it or not, whether I, people think that I'm good or not, this is what makes me happy. And I think the minute I found that, everything just started uh, falling into place. You know, the jigsaw puzzle, like uh, all the pieces just matched up.
0: Mm. Mm. So, so just some. So, sometime in your late twenties, mid to late twenties, you you kind of woke up and said, "I need to change." Right. I, I I'm I'm going to be a different person, and you committed yourself to do that. That's that's like. That's quite something though. That is really quite something. I mean, especially at, you know, at that age where most whatever habits or mindsets would have kind of set in, but you still managed to be able to kind of push yourself and say, you know, I'm going to be different from now on. And, and when you when you actually... So from your first open mic, right? Like, what was it like? What was it like that, that first day? Do you, do you remember the day itself? Like, what was it like? <laughs> <to be? laughs>
1: it was really... It was really scary. Like, I remember driving to the venue and like, oh, you know, like thinking I should actually turn around and, <laughs> and go back. Uh, and I remember <laughs> I, I was so nervous. I brought my lyrics book with me. Um, so my friend was helping me out on guitar. I was so nervous that I was... Half the time, I was actually looking um, at my book, you know, even though I knew all the lyrics because I was just so afraid of, I guess, looking at people because, you know, um, all, my entire life, I got unwanted attention all the time, right? And this is kind of me putting myself out there and seeking attention uh, in that sense, right? Uh, and it was really um, nerve-wracking. Uh, it was a small group, like 30 people. Uh, and um, it was really, really, really scary. I remember, like, I think after I finished, I was like... Panicking, (laughs) freaking out. But yeah, I think um, immediately after that, you know, I went home and kind of dissected everything and asked myself that question. Like I mentioned, you know, um, is this something that you want to do? You know, if it is, then uh, we're going to go all in and see uh, where this takes us. Yeah.
0: 30 people is a lot of people, I think. If you haven't been on stage before, (laughs) (laughs) even 10 people is a lot of people. Uh, yeah, if you so haven't like, performed on stage. <laughs> yeah,
1: so 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 like, uh, I mean, the biggest audience that I've performed that so far um, is in front of like 3,000 people. So for me, like, that might not be a big number to some people, you know, but for me, because uh, it's my personal story and my personal struggles and what I had to overcome uh, um, in my journey, um, I feel like, okay, you didn't do it too so bad, you know? <laughs>
0: three thousand people is a lot of people. <laughs> and and, and um, was there a moment where you, was there a moment where you kind of woke up one day and you, and you thought to, my, to yourself like, oh, like I don't feel that, you know, the feelings I used to have anymore. I'm more confident now. Like, was there a moment like that? How did you know?
1: Uh, I think it was the moment that, uh, you know, because I was doing music for, uh, yeah, a couple of years um, in, uh, in, kk before i moved to kl and i was actually asked to come to kl to perform uh for a an album launch by another um sabahan artist who is based here uh, called Freya. and i think the minute that i came here and did that i realized that oh okay i think this might work um so i packed my bags within a month and, and then i moved here uh, <laughs> and uh, i think yeah that was the point where i thought that okay yeah this um might be something that I could do. And um, I think the point that made me realize that, oh yeah, I'm finally okay with this, uh, with who I am, Uh, Was the point that I started realizing that maybe, you know, I can start telling my story very honestly and openly and hopefully allowing other people to have that platform or that opportunity that I didn't have as a kid, you know, where I didn't know anyone who looked like me. I didn't have a community, I didn't have the support uh, that I needed. Uh, So that's why um, in 2015, the same year that I moved to KL, I started a social awareness platform called True Complexion. yeah and that's how I really I think came to the point where I realized that this is who I am I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to use myself as a catalyst to start a platform that opens up conversation about other people who are different as well and try to normalize and humanize it so that um, other kids uh, wouldn't have to experience uh, what I did when I was growing up
0: Mm. and that's like that took a lot of courage, I imagine. Like, because as you mentioned, you actually grew up not wanting attention. Mm. And then you reached a point where you were seeking attention. And now, <laughs> not only not only were you... I mean, as a musician, obviously you needed attention, right? To be a musician. Because uh, you're marketing yourself, you're performing for people all the time. But now on top of that, you kind of have to go back to when you were young and open up all these wounds and just be vulnerable and show people, look like it's okay, I went through this. That that is quite something. And in fact, I I probably would say that if you kind of manage to pull that off so well, that's probably where true confidence comes from. Like the fact that people can kind of see themselves for who they are and accept it, you know, uh, it's not an easy thing to do. And even a lot of people I find who are who have like, quote unquote, normal lives, who grew up normal, you know, didn't go through all these uh, challenges. You know, they they may not be on the surface may appear confident, but there are lots of imperfect things about ourselves that we struggle to accept. Right, that it actually causes that hidden insecurity. But putting out in the open is is quite something, though. Like how, like um, what what was it like? Did you just you know just suddenly say I'm going to do an interview and I'm going to tell my true story? You know, or was it like I'm going to write this? I'm going to write this thing about myself and tell my true story. Like how how was it? Or was it just a platform, True Complexion? Did it, did it start there when you started the platform?
1: So True Complexion, you know, when it first started, it was very much like Humans of New York, uh, where mm. we have like a, a photo and a caption, you know, uh, with a quote um, of the person. Um, and... But True Complexion was very focused uh, in terms of um, it only featured people. I only wanted it to feature people who uh, live with uh, differences um, related mostly to the medical side, you know, so people, uh, cancer survivors, uh, people with disabilities, with skin conditions, uh, with rare diseases. Um, I wanted to focus on this community, I think, because um, I felt so connected uh, to uh, I'm part of the community as well, right? So I felt a very strong tug towards that direction. Um, so I actually just reached out to my friend, um, Melissa, who is a photographer, uh, and I asked her, I told her, you know, I have this idea. I, I want to kind of do um, something like Humans of New York, uh, but have it focus very much on people who live with different medical conditions. Uh, and she absolutely loved the idea. Uh, and I said, okay, um, let's do this. And um, because... I didn't know anyone else um, out there who would actually come forth and share their story, you know, if anyone would even do it, right? Um, so I decided that I'm going to share my story first, uh, and will hopefully that will like open up the door um, to other people. And we really didn't have a second uh, story to come after me, but you know, I I thought. It doesn't matter. Like if this works or doesn't work, at least I tried. At least I put myself out there. At least I allowed myself to be seen for the first time. You know, for who I am. That I'll. That I'm telling my story honestly and openly. Um, so yeah, we put that story up. And it got so much positive response from everybody. And there were so many other people who reached out to me, you know, uh, even friends um, whom I didn't know were living with different medical conditions, right, Uh, who said like, oh, you know, actually, um, I have this uh, skin condition as well. I I have this problem as well, Uh, but I've never actually talked about it uh, because, you know, society teaches us, especially in Asian culture, uh, to not air our dirty laundry public, right? Uh, mm. A lot of this are things that I guess we're ashamed of, um, that we've been told that is um, wrong with us that we need to fix. So why are you talking about it in a celebratory way? Or like, we aren't encouraged to uh, speak about our vulnerabilities, about things that, you know, like our weaknesses, right? Uh, because that makes us, well, look weak, right? Mm, mm, <laughs> um, mm. And it's really a lot of perception that we grew up with that's been passed down from generation to generation of how we should be like. Uh, Like you said, you know, a lot of people who look normal, uh, quote unquote, they also struggle with a lot of insecurities, right? Uh, But we're told to sweep that under the rug and not talk about it. And uh, a lot of people live with uh, invisible disabilities, you know, uh, to put it in one way. Um, Mm. And I thought that, yeah. Maybe, if I, I guess, found a little bit of courage to share my story, uh, maybe it will help free other people from their own demons uh, that they are living with as well, you know, their own insecurities. Maybe it would give them a little bit of comfort knowing that they're not alone uh, in their journey. Uh, and that's really how it started. And after my photo came up, you know, people started reaching out, and that's kind of how the community grew. And I think uh, we've been around for five years now. Um, I've probably interviewed about 150 over people for the project, uh, covering um, everyone from uh, cancer survivors to our Paralympic athlete uh, to refugees as well, you know, people who are living and struggling with a lot of different medical issues and mental health issues and a lot of discrimination as well.
0: Yeah, and and um, what, what I find... Uh when it comes to, uh, because you mentioned earlier about how like Asian cultures, you know, uh, people don't want to show their weaknesses and all that. But I think increasingly society, society has kind of, uh, kind of recognized to understood that many people do have weaknesses and uh, mm-hmm. and talking about, being able to talk about weaknesses, I, I think can be seen as a strength, right? To, yeah. to a lot of people, right? right? The, the willingness to share our weakness is actually seen as being strong, can be seen as that. And, and I, think, I think increasingly, I hope more people kind of understand that. And it allows us to obviously be at peace a little bit with like who we are, right? Because like we're all different. We're all so diverse. And that's what makes us unique. And, and if someone was like, um, wanted to, if you do find someone like this with a story to share, what do they have to do? Like, do they reach out to you? Or do they write into true complexion? How does it work?
1: Uh, so it works uh, both ways. You know, sometimes I scroll to social media and I see someone interesting and I'll just drop them a message and say, hi, you know, this is what I do. Um, would you like to come on board uh, and share your story? Uh, sometimes we get a yes, sometimes we get a no. Uh, and that's completely okay because, you know, pe- different people are at different uh, parts of their journey, um, and it's absolutely okay if they're not ready to share their story. Uh, and there are a lot of people who actually um, drop us a DM as well and just say, oh, you know, um, I have this, uh, and I kind of want to uh, share my story as well. Um, we've worked with uh, NGOs like the National Cancer Society, uh, the Pink Ribbon Foundation as well uh, to do series, Um for their community as well, uh, we've worked with different brands also, like Novartis Malaysia, to do a series on uh, uh, people who have uh, who live with psoriasis, this autoimmune disease. Um, so we work with different brands and uh, NGOs as well to try to create conversation and content that is more um, inclusive and diverse because uh, I feel like in Malaysia we are still struggling when it comes to the topic of inclusion and diversity. Uh, we're still struggling with religion. We're still struggling with race. Uh, we're still struggling to um, have women uh, have their voice heard, you know, to get them uh, at the table. Uh, um, so what more this Entire community that have been left unseen and unheard for so long, right? Uh, so that's really um, why True Complexion is here to give people the opportunity to uh, be seen and be heard the way that they want to. Because uh, I feel like a lot of times in the media, especially uh, previously, I think now it's shifted. You know, um, when we started in 2015, the word inclusion wasn't a buzzword, uh, which it mm. is today, right? And when we started, like a lot of brands and a lot of people weren't open to having these kind of conversations to including communities who are maybe differently able um, in uh, advertising campaigns and all. Right. Uh, so what we're trying to do is not just uh, do the storytelling online, uh, but also do things offline as well. So we have fundraising events. We do uh, work with brands as well, which create opportunity for um uh, income opportunity for people in the community. Uh, so doing uh, different segments of it, uh, working with schools. Uh, I think that's one of the things that I really want to uh, start moving towards, you know, because that's uh, where I struggled the most uh, when I was growing up. And, you know, research does show that, you know, it's between the age of five and about 10, uh, eight to 10, where we actually develop the sense of ourselves and the sense of the world, you know, our understanding of the world. Um, So if we can kind of target that and I guess showcase people who are different more often so that it normalizes and humanizes them so that when we see someone who is different on the street, we don't treat them like an alien that, you know, we empathize, not sympathize, but empathize and understand and that we're not um, afraid uh, of getting close to them and asking questions, you know. I feel like sometimes, even though we have social media now, you know, and we're all um, connected to each other, we're so disconnected. And uh, a lot of times we forget how to speak to um, another person.
0: Mm. Do you think um, in some sense, there's also, it's also important to educate the other kids not to be mean. (laughs) I don't know if that's the right word or not. But, you know, like children, like they, they, you know, they're, they uh, have no filter yeah. yeah they have no filter right like <laughs> they're still learning about the world and they don't know what's right and wrong and they all kinds yeah. of they say all kinds of things like is it also part like isn't that a big part right I imagine of this uh, movement
1: yeah definitely but the question is you know where do children learn all these uh, thoughts and ideas about you know prejudice and discrimination right because we're not born with that understanding so we learn it from our Surroundings from uh, our families, you know, from the adults that are in our lives,
0: right? So, the uh, I wanted to kind of ask you about um, uh, in particular, uh, you know, having uh, you know, if someone has the issues with say self esteem, right? And it's actually fairly common now, not you know, not, not just people who, who are who are different, but you know, that self esteem issues are quite common. What, what advice would you give to someone? Uh, who's actually struggling with that with their self-esteem their self-image what would you say to them?
1: I feel like it depends on how severe you're struggling with it and how much it's affecting your mental health. Um, you know if it's really uh, bad where you're struggling with you know anxiety depression, addiction, and maybe other things uh, that are tied to it uh, definitely um, reach out for help you know professionally um, see a therapist and yeah, reach out to people who can actually help you get better because, uh, you know, no one can actually overcome this on their own. I feel uh, it's a community effort and sometimes, you know, uh, the people around you are not supportive, right? Because sometimes it is your parents who are telling you that uh, you're too fat or, you know, what's wrong with you, right? It is your family um, or your spouse maybe who are the ones um, inflicting a lot of hurt, uh, emotional hurt that is making you feel, uh, I guess, not unworthy, right? So I think reaching out for help is one way. Um, Also, there's a lot of things, you know, small, even small little things like controlling uh, what kind of content you follow on social media, right? Um, If this influencer uh, makes you feel insecure about yourself every time you see a post of them in a bikini talking about how they're so slim and perfect and all of that, right, then unfollow And follow that person, you know, follow content that makes you feel good about yourself or that helps uh, you, I guess, open up your mind, right? That uh, educates you. Simple things like listening to podcasts, uh, reading. I think a lot of things also um, it has to do, you know, because like our body, mind, uh, soul, everything is kind of interconnected, right? So I think if we get healthy uh, in one way, it kind of reflects in all the other ways as well. Uh, So that means uh, for me, it meant like, and I do this in like a small, um, small doses, because you know, sometimes like it's too overwhelming to do it too, too much. Uh, But for me, how I started was like, uh, making sure that I exercise for at least half an hour a day. Um, So I take care of all three components, you know, body, mind and soul. So physically, you know, I work out for at least 30 minutes a day, I read for at least 30 minutes a day. Uh, And then I do something like meditation or journaling um, for at least 30 minutes a day, Some things uh, um, that actually help center me, which makes me feel better about myself. Yeah, Um, but of course we have bad days, right? And days that Mm. we're just like, I think especially now with the MCO, you know, everyone's stuck at home, struggling Mm. with adjusting um, and dealing with all the stresses that uh, that comes with it. Uh, And I guess it also comes down to like, I think really just being kind with ourselves. Sometimes we're so, um, we are really our worst critics. Mm. Uh, We are the ones who put ourselves down the most Um, and kind of allowing that space to change the conversation that we have with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of being, yeah, because we're sometimes the one who, we're putting all that pressure on ourselves, right? That we're not uh, beautiful enough, uh, that we're not successful enough. Uh, sometimes the pressure is really internal that we're creating it ourselves. Uh, so I think kind of being quiet and still, finding what it is that's more most important to you, um, and working towards that, and forgetting about what other people say. Yeah, because I think at the yeah. end of the, you know this is your life. You're not. 20 years down the road, you know, what that person said doesn't matter. <laughs> so it's really just focusing on what you want yeah, and who you want to be, I guess, yeah, and trying to find ways from that, okay, how do I um, start this?
0: Mm, I, I love that. So, so it's like, um, so I'm going to kind of, I like to draw like diagrams and maps. I'm quite a logical person. <laughs> but I love the fact that, so the few things you mentioned that I thought was pretty interesting. Obviously, I think, a lot of self-esteem starts with your inner voice, right? How you talk to yourself. I think that's very important. But also um, when you mentioned about, you know, deciding who to follow and all that, like your inner voice is influenced a lot by the the voices outside. Yeah. Right? So like what the, the people that you're watching or listening to those things influence your inner voice. So if you want to change your inner voice, you have to, you kind of figure out who you want to listen to, right? To train your inner voice to think differently I like choose the right people to follow, listen to the right podcast. I thought that's really good. Yeah. One of the quotes I really like, you know, people people say something like, you know, you are the average of the six people or something like that, uh, that you're with. And and I, I totally agree with that, right? In the sense of, obviously the people you choose to be surrounded with has a big influence on who you are. And in the modern context, I think that also means uh, like on social media, like who do you, Right, whose content do you consume actually influences who you are, right? So who are the, like, the top six or seven people you listen to, uh, I think, has a big influence. I think people need to uh, kind of realize that. And also, I, I, um, I really like the fact that you mentioned like, you have a routine. I, I, I used to ask this question almost to every person I interview about whether they have like a daily routine. and um, uh, But not everyone has, and you're one of the few people who have. <laughs> <that> daily routine. <laughs> and, and I think, it, I think
1: helps, that's it helps me stay sane. So,
0: no, it's really good. Like I have a daily routine. Uh, you know, I, I don't spend thirty minutes on each thing. I spend like ten minutes, but I I but I try to make it a habit. Like ten minutes exercise, ten minutes meditating, or actually I do some I do something called like a one breath meditation, as you know. So mm-hmm. even if I don't have like the ten minutes, I can meditate for one breath just to train the habit. Uh, you know every day um and and yeah, I think having a routine obviously helps center center yourself and kind of hopes hopefully you can have a bit more control over that inner voice as well um, coming back to your career as a musician right I, mm-hmm. I think you 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 mentioned earlier that you know it all kind of started because like when you were younger, you didn't have like a, a lot of friends, so you spent a lot of time. You know, and, and uh, in the room, and that's where you know you first started writing music and all that, right? Can you walk us through, I suppose, that your career as a musician from that moment to what it is now? What, what was that journey like? Is that is that a a roller story coaster, too long? I,
1: think. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot of gaps in between, you know, because mm. like I used to. Uh, I mean, I only technically, you know, I started, um, doing music when I was 27, which to a lot of people is super, super late, right? That's when you retire, uh, not when you start, uh, but mm-hmm. for me and, and a lot of people did say like, why are you doing this? This is crazy. You shouldn't, you know, it's foolish kind of don't waste your time on this. Uh, but for me, it was really something very personal that I wanted to do for myself. Um, so I went through it, um, so, like I said, I was in uh, KK for a couple of years, uh, and um, I did. Um, we didn't have a lot of open mics events over there, like uh, venues. Um, so I did perform at a lot of smaller events. I actually started out performing with a friend uh, who accompanied me on guitar and who helped with the production of the music. Uh, so we kind of started off uh, there, and you know, I did start with like like everyone else, right, doing acoustic music with like a guitar or a simple uh, keyboard, um, having um, friends like accompany me. uh, And then uh, I really wanted to venture into electronic music. uh, but I didn't know how. So that's really also one of the reasons how I ended up in KL, um, because I really, really liked um, Darren Ashley. Mm. Uh, I I was a fan of his work. uh, So I just emailed him one day and said, hey, you know, uh, these are the stuff that I wrote, you know, so I sent him, uh, simple stuff of me on the keyboard, uh, very raw, um, uh, recordings, and uh, sent, sent it over to him and said, I want you to help me produce my music. Um, would you be up for it? And he said, yes. Uh, and, uh, I, because of Freya, um, who invited me, um, over to KL, uh, to perform, um, at her album launch, uh, I also came here to, uh, record, um, a couple of songs with Darren Ashley and that's really how it started and then uh, in 2016 as well um, I joined a competition called Tiger Jams Uh, and I'm not a competition person at all you know especially if there's like popularity voting uh, kind of thing (laughs) but what I really liked was the final layer um, of the competition the top three was a songwriting um, contest you know they, um the assignment was to write a song based on, inspired by the city that you're from. Uh, so I wrote a song called Home to You about, you know, uh, missing um, Sabah, basically. And uh, so there was a prize money and another um, little prize that you get, uh, you know, if you want. And the competition was uh, you get the um, Scottish band Churches. I'm not too sure if you're familiar with them. Uh, so Churches would remix your song Um And, uh, yeah, I kind of want that. Uh, And from there, I just uh, started performing at different um, events, different festivals, um, sometimes uh, at corporate events as well. And just, uh, it really all just started out doing, started out with me doing like open mic sessions. And, uh, yeah, like, did did I know anyone when I moved here? And, you know, the answer was, is I knew probably one or two people. And that's about it So what I did uh, Was to go out Every single Well not every single night But you know Every single week At least a couple of times I'll go out to other shows Where other musicians Are performing And you know I'll go out And introduce myself And make friends And that's kind of how I built I got into the music community Uh, So sometimes I think It's taking that extra step Mm. And you know um, I do Uh, Voiceovers as well. So it was really me just sending my voice demos to every single studio, you know, sending emails and like, okay uh, This is what I've done. Like, are you um, Are you looking for someone? Do you need me to come in for, you know, uh, um, an audition? Uh, I'll I'll be willing and uh, And more more than happy to do that, right? Uh, So it was really a lot of hustling The first year, yeah, yeah
0: yeah, so so it sounds like like you, you obviously did a lot of open mic stuff. You probably wrote some of your own material. Uh and then when you came to KL, um, you know, with that as like a basis or like a background, you you kind of try to build a community or like network I I use the word network very loosely, but to try to um, you know, connect and meet the people in the scene, right? And so so you can they can get to know who you yeah. are and maybe, you know, like and you can kind of work together and stuff. And, and I think one of the this is very important also because um, uh, with a lot of, well, not everyone, but I hear this a lot of how people talk about networking and all that. And I think it's important. I'm not saying it's not important. Uh, like, uh, but the, uh, but there's, a, there's the right way to approach it. So uh, like a network just by itself isn't really going to be very helpful. Like uh, just in sort of my own personal context. Because I run, um, I founded like a technology business right now and Mm -hmm. sometimes you know people might think that oh you know it's either you come from a well-to-do family or you're connected to a well-to-do family or your friends but actually i come from a very normal middle class kind of family um and when i had the idea to start warm as a company i just i just started it and i tried to build Mm -hmm. something and as i was building something then you know i i got kind of uh, i kind of met the community if you like you know through building the, you know what I want to do so it didn't start with the network it started just like doing what you want and just working behind building it and somehow the network will form you know when, when you yeah. go out and you do your work right and I think that's quite important I always kind of want to tell people like hey that networking by itself it's just not enough if you don't really have work to kind of like back yourself up right so because uh, most of the time people say oh it's like you need to know the right people I think it's also
1: it's being true. genuine
0: yeah that's right yeah being genuine, I like that, right? So uh, when, when you go to a networking event and you can spot when, when someone, you know, when someone doesn't come, come and meet you with a genuine purpose, you know? Yeah, like it, if it, comes, right?
1: yeah, if someone comes to you, you know, with 100% intention to just kind of, I guess, use and abuse kind of situation. Yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> they want you yeah. for us they want to get to know you for a specific per, uh, reason only you can sense that right so uh, people are smart you know they understand um, they, they they can sense your intention so i think that that's probably the correct word what is your intention uh, mm-hmm. and when when you go networking as well and i think um a lot of times also we shy away from uh, sending emails to random strangers uh, because we think that, you know, they're not going to answer um, They're that, you know, who are we kind of, we're nobody um, in in a sense, but I feel like just, you never know. It's better to try than to not try at all, you know, because if I didn't have the courage to just um, send like Darren Ashley, uh, an email to see if he's uh, interested in working with me. Like, I would never know. Um, I would never be here today, right? Uh, or my path would have been really different. Um, so I think sometimes also having the courage to say hi to the people that we also maybe look up to and admire or want to work with. Yeah, there's really no um, shame in that. And you might get a no, but I think that's better. Uh, getting 100 no's is better than not trying at all and not yeah, knowing no,
0: if you know yeah yeah 100 percent, right so like if you if you're very you're very passionate about your work and you kind of do a lot of good work uh if you reach out with like a genuine uh with a good intent right with, with, you know, with, with when people come when you come across as sincere you will be very surprised right when who is actually willing to help you know uh and i think that's something that people should kind of realize like right like this like it is it is possible uh, when someone, you know, like for example, right now, if someone reaches out to me and I can see that, uh, you know, they they've done their homework, you know, they 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 are they're actually they, maybe I kind of rewind a little bit. What what I don't what I suppose I don't like sometimes if someone reaches out to me without doing anything and thinking they're going to get a shortcut by just mm-hmm. being connected to me. Do you know what I mean? Like oh, you know, I I haven't learned how to build a company before. I never talked to anyone, never tried doing anything. But if I ask you, if I ask you, you tell me how to do it. But then but then the problem is that, oh, but it, it doesn't look like you're serious. So therefore, you know that help doesn't come. So I think if every, if people are like taking their work seriously and they're very passionate and you reach out, you will be surprised, right? People will actually help you. And, and, and so being in the kind of the music industry in Malaysia. What's um, what's easy and what's harder than it looks in the um, local context, like in Malaysia?
1: I think what's hard. Uh, there's a lot more things that are hard than easy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so. So we'll start there. Um, I think what's hard is
0: uh, the market
1: is so segregated. You know, because uh, we we are a multiracial community, right? Uh, so if you don't do uh, mass music, which is Malay music, then your pie is smaller. Um, you're just uh, focused on the urban market, which is what a lot of uh, musicians, your reach is less because, well, they end up sometimes compromising uh, if they don't want to do it and uh, doing other things that they're not interested in um, just to get their foot into uh, the mass market. So I think it's really up to, I guess, what you want, what's more important to you. So I think the the segregation of the community uh, is a little bit tricky uh, to see where you actually um, fit in. And uh, wherever you fit in, there are like, uh, I guess, pros and cons. Um, what's hard is also, you know, um, if you're not signed under a music label, which a lot of artists, um, including myself are, you know, I have a distribution, uh, company that helps me, uh, with, uh, the, mu- the distribution of my music, uh, but I am independent. So that means, uh, financially, um, sustaining yourself, you know, um, financially supporting yourself musically, which means, you know, uh, paying for your own producers, uh, your band, your everything, studio time, uh, rehearsal time. Um, and that's really, um, a struggle that a lot of independent artists have in Malaysia because, you know, it's not cheap. Uh, so you have to really, really want it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, for you to actually be, um, willing to invest that much uh, money into it. Uh, but that's, I think, um, An international thing for you know uh, musicians all around the world because you either uh, I guess make it or break it uh, in a sense you know and where are you comfortable being at right what else is hard (laughs) I guess the industry is um, small as well in Malaysia so once you go around the loop right sometimes there's nowhere else to go um, so a lot of people start looking outwards, uh, which is a good thing, you know, uh, looking out to uh, countries around the region as well, like Singapore and elsewhere, like performing there, you know, in the Philippines and etc. But also finding the network there. What's easy? I feel like what's easy is the community is very supportive um, towards newcomers. You know, when I first came, nobody knew me, right? And I literally, uh, went up to like this artist called Nick Davis at his show, which was on his birthday, I think. And I was like, Hey, I like your stuff. Like this is my stuff. Like, do you want to do something together? And he's like, okay, sure. (laughs) And, um, people, I think if you ask them, uh, and they feel like the chemistry fits, the connection fits, people are very supportive. You know, um, I, a lot of doors open up for me because people, um, believed in what I was doing, Um, like Freya, who, you know, invited me to come and perform here uh, because she was so adamant to have at least one other Sabahan artist perform at her event. So I think the community is very supportive of newcomers. Uh, There's a lot, you know, of like, I guess veterans, otai-otai, you know, uh, that are actually willing to um, impart their wisdom and their knowledge uh, and what they've learned uh, throughout their experience. Uh, and I think it's a very important thing to have people who um, can help you throughout the good and bad times. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And and what what advice would you give to like a young aspiring musician right now? You know, I'm just I'm just you know I'm I maybe uh I'm not sure if they graduated, but you know someone is like they're still early, right? They say I want to start a music career in, in, in Malaysia. Like, what advice would you give them?
1: get out there, you know, get out there as much as possible. Uh, Get a lot of people, that's how people notice you, right? When you go out there uh, and go out to the community, Um, I feel like don't worry so much about the numbers, uh, worry about the content that you're producing uh, and make sure that's something that you want to do, right? Because I feel like a lot of times we get so caught up with like, oh, is this what the public wants to hear? Is this what uh, is popular right now? you know um, uh, is this trending at the moment? oh my god like why don 't I have enough followers online? We get so caught up in all of this that we forget uh, who we are and what we want and what we actually enjoy We lose our identity in that uh, so I think that 's something to always remember as well you know um, remember why you 're doing this uh, who you are and what you do what you enjoy right because if you do something that you're not, um, having fun with, it's not going to last, right? Cause it's going to burn you out. Uh, and also I think very, very important, find people to work with that you like, <laughs> that you can have like long-term relationships with, you know, um, like your band members, for example, the producers that you work with, for example, uh, you know, find people, um, that you like working with, you know, that have, uh, the same vision as you, uh, or the same tastes as you, uh, and that, I think, lessens the conflict,
0: yeah. Yeah, like, um, I mean, to your earlier point, definitely, I think, uh, because it is obviously um, not a huge market, therefore, succeeding, you know, I used to word succeeding loosely, but succeeding in music in Malaysia is not going to be easy, and therefore, you might as well kind of focus on what you like doing, right, basically, the type of music that you like doing, uh, so I heard this Face somewhere It, it kind of left An impression on me I was reading He was really young I was, I was reading An article once And it was like Someone critiquing Like another artist Or something And they used The, the phrase like Oh uh, It's better to Express Rather than impress Something like that I, I really like that And I, and I think this, this, this is very suitable Especially when Talking about music Right Like the artist Needs to be able To connect to the music That they're sharing Right And I think that that's quite important. And yeah. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. like.
1: I guess it boils down back again to what's your intention, you know, because some people go into the industry wanting to just be famous, right? Uh, that's their mm. priority. That's their intention. Uh, so I guess the path uh, and the decisions and the choices that may- they make will be different. Uh, and some people, they go go into it because uh, it's really uh the craft that they like, you know, the art, uh, the creativity, um, uh, the type of music that they make. So I think it's really, uh, it's personal and there's no right or wrong. Uh, but I think being very clear on what your intention is. And from there, you can kind of, I guess, chart your path. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and on that note, you you mentioned in an interview, by the way, that you, you know, you said, I mean, I'm just reading off the, the interview here. So you mentioned, oh, I don't just sing, I'm my own manager.
1: <laughs> I have to
0: reach out to the media, radio stations, agency, on all my, all my own. And you did also mention that earlier just now. Um, so are you still your own manager? Like you have to manage everything by yourself. And if you do, right, because you not just music, you also do like other parts, so many other parts to, to your life. Like how, Do you have any useful tips to people how to manage their time or like, manage different things at the same time?
1: I guess this goes back to also the question of what's hard, you know, especially in the beginning. Uh, you have to do everything on your own as well, you know, unless you have a little team or you're part of a band that can help you out with it. Uh, but yeah, for uh, the rest of it, I kind of do it on my own. tried working with a, a management company before and uh, it just didn't work for me. Um, So I decided, yeah, um, we're going to, uh, I'm I'm going to go back doing it on myself, uh, by myself. Um, And I feel like, how do you manage, how do you juggle all of these things? It's really about prioritizing what's important to you. Uh, at different times right uh, for me sometimes my priority is on finishing a song um, is on a performance that's coming up uh, sometimes my priority uh, music does take a back seat you know and I'm focused more on the projects that I'm doing with True Complexion you know especially if we have a campaign that's going on uh, so it kind of um, goes back and forth uh, between those two main things uh, that are part of my life uh, and I think another thing that um, Maybe to add on about the what's hard part uh, is that a lot of musicians here, because you don't make that much money making music, right? Uh, um, If we're being honest, you know, um, online sales doesn't really uh, come up to, digital sales doesn't really come up to much. Uh, So a lot lot of musicians are making money uh, from events, from performances. Uh, That's where uh, they're making the most money, right? Uh, And now with MCO and everything being restricted and, uh, Who knows how long this will last for uh, because, you know, the virus is not going to go anywhere um, according to experts for at least another a year or two. Uh, Mm. So that's going to be a struggle. So, yeah, uh, I think uh, there's other venues that I think people in the creative (laughs) industry are going to really struggle, um, which is really sad, but uh, that's the reality of it. But I guess it's the best time to work on new material. Uh, So, Back to the question, prioritizing what's important to you at the moment and what you can do um, at the moment as well. Uh, How to manage. I think a to-do list works best for me. So at least I know like, okay, I've checked. um, What do I have to do? Um, I've checked it off. If not, you know, sometimes you just forget, especially when you're juggling multiple things, right? Uh, You kind of forget. Um, what's going on, uh, especially I, I know that a lot of musicians have full time jobs or part time jobs as well. Uh, so they're juggling music and that. So, yeah, I think it's really prioritizing, getting a to do list. Uh, and um, yeah, I think that's about it.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. And I, I kind of felt for you when you talked about MCO and how like, <laughs> like, um, life is going to change for the next one to two years.
1: I think and
0: that's, that's for you know, everyone, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and, and even, um, yeah, especially if, like, if you're in, uh, creative or like, in entertainment because the way people experience entertainment is going to change. And a lot of creative work is very ex- experiential, right? I'm not sure if that's the right word. So you have to yeah. kind of go out and see it and feel it. But with people not going out as much, then that definitely does change things a bit. Uh, yeah,
1: all the, all the major music events... Um, are cancelled which is a good thing you know uh, for people to stay safe but at the same time uh, it's a bad thing because a lot of people are uh, that's their bread and butter right Um, Mm. and uh, they're not going to get that opportunity to make money through that um, already so uh, yeah I guess now is the time to just um, work on new material uh, be creative at home
0: Mm. And, and have you been creative at home because one of the other questions I was going to ask was like, where do you get that inspiration to write a new track?
1: Uh, have I been creative at home lately? To be honest, no. Uh, I've been focused more on true complexion stuff instead of music um, at the moment. Uh, but where I get inspiration to write, uh, it's really anywhere. You know, sometimes... Uh, It's your own personal story, what you've been through. Uh, Sometimes uh, it's a word or a phrase that I read in a book, which I think like, oh my God, this is so cool. Uh, I have to do something with it. Sometimes you're just in the shower and some random melody comes into your head. Uh, I think inspiration Mm, can come anywhere. mm, Uh, mm. But it's also true, you know, what they say, that you shouldn't wait for inspiration to come. Uh, Mm. Sometimes, I mean, I've just forced myself to sit down and write, like even if it's random things, uh, things that don't make sense, because sometimes uh, that's how you get the ball rolling. You just, mm. yeah, basically you write a ton of rubbish before something good appears.
0: Mm. Right, right. And, and, if you, if, and if you do get inspiration in a random moment, like you said, like you just read something like in the article somewhere, um, do you act on that inspiration immediately I say, oh, I'm going to start building this. Or do you like make a note of it? Like you have like a little black book somewhere you write a note. I'll come back to this later. How does it work? Or do you try to just mentally remember this and come back to it later yourself?
1: I think it depends where I am. If I'm at home, you know, and I have access to, uh, say, my keyboard or um, Yeah, it's easier. Like I'll straight away sit down and write something. And if I have time, right, like if you're in the middle of something, like uh, you're doing other work, you're in a meeting uh, or you're outside, uh, I kind of, our phones are like great um, devices. Uh, I'll make a little voice note um, of the melody or of the lyrics or I'll type something in my my notes um, on my phone. And that's really how um, I keep it. Uh, and sometimes I go back to it. Uh, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it takes me years to go back to a song mm. that's uh, incomplete. Mm. Yeah. So it's really random. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I. Um. One of the reasons I ask that is because uh, even mm-hmm. in my own life, like sometimes I do get like random. Like you said, right? I. I know. I see something. I notice something, and then a thought comes to my head. But I'm not in um, the the right place or time to action on it or get distracted by it so what yeah. i've been doing is i have like a, a a note app i just make a note and 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 i come back to it i try like, i try to come back to it so it's just like it's a place where you know in the moment that's the best idea ever and then sometimes when i review it the week after and like that's not a good idea nah. ever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's, that that's kind everyone. of like what i yeah. <laughs> like you said, you kind of have to write a lot of rubbish and then oh, that, that's where you can find the good stuff, right? Uh, and and what, what is that? Um, and if you do decide to start writing, right? Uh, and, and start writing and producing uh, a track. is Am I using the right word? Can I say a track? Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 yeah. right. So yeah. what, what is that process for you?
1: So it's different for different songs. Some songs, you know, I'll write it on the keyboard first. Uh, and then I'll send it over to my producer. Uh, and sometimes it's incomplete. Uh, and then I'll just, um, ask him to have a listen and see what he thinks. Uh, sometimes I go into the studio first, uh, and we build the music first and then I write on top of it. Yeah. So, um, it's different processes. Uh, cause sometimes like if I don't have an idea at all, right, I'm completely blank. Um, so that's how I work as well. Like I'll let, we'll build the music first and then uh, the story and the lyrics come in later. But sometimes I already have a story in mind or lyrics in mind. Uh, then that comes first. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Uh, that's right. Because I'm definitely a noob to music. So, <laughs> so anything could come first. Like you could come with lyrics first and then you build the melody. Yeah, or or you can come with
1: music first, and then you build the melody and lyrics uh, later.
0: That's so interesting. I I always assume that it would be melody first, I assume, right? But I I suppose that depends on what type of writer you are.
1: Yeah, I, I think it depends on the individual themselves. And yeah, like you said, what type of writer you are, what your process is, right? I think it works different from different people.
0: Uh, but for me, it works either way. Yeah. Okay, and and um, so yeah, I, I definitely before we had this talk, I I, I noticed you, you have a new single out. Uh, well, I listened to Apple Music, and you have a new single out called Body Talk. Uh, and I and I listened; it's pretty cool. I'm not like um, you know, from a lay. So I'm not a musician, right? So from a layman's perspective, it sounded very. it has a very kind of dreamy, modern kind of feel to it. Um. It, it, what what genre is your music in, actually? Or what genre is um, body in specifically?
1: Well, well, I would uh, consider it electronic pop, uh, but body top does have a little bit more dancey elements. So some, some people do think that it falls under dance as well. And that was uh, a collaboration that I did with another Malaysian artist called NYK. Hmm.
0: Um, and uh, is there a story behind your latest track, Body Talk?
1: So there was just one day um, I had the song um, Physical by Olivia Newton-John stuck in my head. Uh, it was just mm. replaying my head the entire day. Um, and uh, there's this one line uh, in her song that says uh, something something Body Talk. And I thought, you know, oh, that's quite a cool... Um, cool title for a song. Um, So I just uh, went to my keyboard, sat down and wrote the song. Yeah. And uh, I really struggled with finding a second verse, uh, because you know, I kept rewriting and it just didn't fit. It didn't seem to gel. Uh, So I spoke to my producer and asked him like, you know what, maybe we need like a male uh, perspective, uh, a male voice. add to the song Um, so I reached out to um, NYK and uh, he loved the song Um, and he said yes uh, he wrote his uh, verse and yeah that's how that's kind of how it all came about
0: oh wow okay and and how long was this entire process from the point you you had that inspiration to the point it was produced
1: oh I think about a year because I sat on the song um, for quite a while Um, I wasn't I wasn't sure about it, um, but it, it was a song that kept coming back to me. You know, that kept saying, "Come on, like I'm here, like do something with me." Uh, so yeah, I think it about a year.
0: A year, wow. And what does it? Um, uh, is it typically a year, or what? What's the typical time actually? Uh,
1: typical time, a couple of months. I think two to three months. I, I try to complete songs within three months. Especially if I'm already in the studio, but with Body Top, I don't know why. Like, I guess I was trying to experiment with other things, other ideas first. because you know, a, a lot of songs go um, unheard right, or unfinished. Mm. Uh, and and mm. we have like hundreds of songs you know, in our little notebooks that never see the light of day. Uh, mm. But this was one of the songs, um, like I said, was, uh, it just kept calling out to me, uh, begging to be uh, completed. <laughs>
0: No, okay. And and if um uh what what's the best way to follow your work, right? If I'm interested to see what's next, because it sounds like you're very like you're busy with your music and true complexion at the same time. Um yeah, like how how if I wanted to see what you're working on, what's the best way to do that?
1: So like Spotify is where my music is at, you know, on, on most platforms, Google Music, Jukes, uh, basically all, all the digital music platforms, uh so you can find my music there. Uh, just type in Rosella, and then I'm mostly on Instagram. Uh, I'm, more, I'm more active there, so it's uh for my personal account. It's Rosella Marie, uh, and then for True Complexions account uh, is uh, yeah, just True Complexion, uh, and we're on we're both on Instagram as well. I've been mean, right. on Facebook as well,
0: <laughs> and Facebook, right? Okay, so uh, so we're going to include uh, those things in the show notes. So if you're if you're curious, you want to check out the Instagram pages or. Uh, links to Spotify. Uh, we'll, you can look under the show notes and we'll have it there. So I'm going to move on to like a uh, uh, quick fire questions. Okay, this
1: uh, is the part that I'm scared of the most. <laughs>
0: <laughs> quick fire questions that people have said are slow fire questions, but let's let's see. <laughs> uh, before we jump to that, there was one interesting question that came through Instagram, right? Okay. Uh, and I'm going to ask that question first. Uh, so there are a couple, but I thought this was quite an interesting question. Uh, who is the most intelligent person you know?
1: Who is the like personally?
0: Yeah, it seems like it.. Yeah. Who is the most intelligent person you know? That's Ooh. an interesting question.
1: I think uh, two of my friends, uh, one of it is uh, a friend from KK uh, called Siva Kumar. Uh, we've been friends forever. I think around ten years or so. Um, He's like, and it's really weird because he's like, I think about ten years older than me as well. Uh, He's a a PhD lecturer in engineering. Um, He's a NLP practitioner, Um, so he gives like he does courses uh, teaching children, especially how to focus and excel in their studies. Um, So I think yeah, he's definitely one of. people that I find very, very intelligent uh, mm. emotionally as well, which I think is a very important thing, you know, not just book smart or street mm. smart, but also emotionally intelligent.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, Sivakuma, cool. if you're listening to this, you should be <laughs> uh, Okay, so, uh, uh, so moving on to our quick five questions. First question. What scene from a movie or TV show was super memorable to you and left you um, a lasting life lesson,
1: a <laughs> oh scene this from a movie so or TV
0: show, <laughs> or, or well, people find lesson, that the... Uh, a
1: lasting life lesson. That's hard. I don't know why. At the top of my head right now, I can think about. I can think of Pretty Woman.
0: <laughs> Pretty Woman. Oh, uh, okay. What 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 scene from Pretty Woman stuck with you?
1: I think probably the scene um of her, you know, um in the um. Uh, retail store where she wanted to buy clothes. Uh, and then the um, salesperson was really snooty and didn't want to serve her. Uh, I feel like, I think what's the lesson that I learned from that, that people will always have opinions of you, uh, that people Mm -hmm. will always view you um, in certain ways, you know, and it can be anything, right? Because of the way you dress, because of your disability, because of whatever your skin tone, uh, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, um, if you know your worth and you know that you deserve that dress, go and get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. So, one of the reasons, by the way, why I asked this question was I find that um, sometimes people don't realize how, how much they learn or how much they get influenced by, you know, like movies. Yeah, random TV. movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rather than just books. Like, most of your influences come from what you watch. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, next question. Uh, is there a nonfiction book that you've read that you believe everyone should read? Is there a nonfiction book you've read that you believe everyone should read?
1: Oh, so 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 many. Um, oof, that's hard. One, just one. <laughs> mm. Or maybe little the little best
0: little. one. Well, the best one that jumps to mind now.
1: Right now, I think because recently, uh, what I've been reading. Uh, I've uh, I've been reading together uh, by uh, Vivek Murthy. Um, mm. So his uh, book is actually about loneliness, uh, and I think it's a a question um, or an idea that is uh, so. I guess it speaks to me right now because uh, we are living in a digital age uh, where we're supposed to be more connected to each other, but a lot of people are even more uh, lonely. Um, and because of the whole MCO thing, I think that's why I got drawn to uh, that book, uh, wanting to read it, wanting to understand, you know, uh, how different people deal with it, uh, how to cope with it, and why there's so much uh, shame that we have uh, when it comes to being alone. But I think another book that I think uh, people should definitely, definitely re- read uh, is uh, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown.
0: Right, The Gifts of Imperfection. Oh, yeah, so Brene Brown, she's, like, she's really famous about writing about vulnerability and all that.
1: Yeah, that. yeah, yeah.
0: Right, right. Okay, that's good. Um, next question. What's the best piece of career advice uh, you've received from a mentor or someone you respect?
1: Just do it. Uh, I think um, it's... Uh, we get told that, you know, um, so many times over and over again, uh, but sometimes, you know, we hesitate wanting to do the things that we want to do uh, because we're so afraid. Uh, so I think uh, the idea of just, uh, yeah, keep your head down, bulldoze through it and just do it.
0: Just do it. That's good. Um, who is the third, this is, a, this will come across as a strange question, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> who is the third, most admired role model you have and why?
1: The third most
0: admired role model you have. The reason why, um, well, perhaps you could name three. And and the reason why I want to ask the third is because most of the time, the first and second are fairly obvious people. People, Someone might say it's my mom, my dad, or like a really famous idol, like Steve Jobs, you know, Elon Musk, right? But but I wanted to see if there was a, a less obvious person.
1: You know, for me, honestly, I feel like uh, the people that I work with, the community that I work with in True Complexion, uh, are people who really, really inspire me because a lot of them have gone through so much hardship, uh, you know, struggling with uh, really, really um, terrible um, illnesses. uh, Losing uh, family and friends, or being refugees, you know, being in really hard circumstances, and how they still have so much grit and tenacity, and how they're still so uh, um, I guess they're so what's the word? Um, They just want to live, you know, and and do the best that they can uh, in the capacity that they can. Uh, even though they've gone through so much uh, um, of hell, really, you know. Um, so I feel like
0: with that ability is what
1: what tenacity, what grit is, right? Uh, I think I wouldn't be where I am today as well, yeah. So I think they're definitely, uh, they give me a lot of strength to um, Pull myself out uh,
0: when I'm struggling and when I'm in a dark place. Okay. Next question: What object have you purchased in the last twelve months uh, that costs less than a thousand ringgit but has tremendous positive impact on your life?
1: (laughs) I'm going to say a massage gun.
0: (laughs) A what? Sorry,
1: a massage gun
0: a massage gun or oh, what's a massage gun
1: um it's one of it's like it's like to massage yourself like an electronic thing because you know we can't go out of the house right to get ourselves like a massage um, or going to like the Cairo or, or going for physio so i got a massage gun for myself so if i'm having aches and pains um especially after a workout that i can actually uh, work on myself
0: right <laughs> That's interesting, uh, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. I might need one of those myself. <laughs> uh, next question. So what's a skill uh, What's a skill that you have, uh, which might not be obvious and that other people would, might find surprising, but you've felt that it's been very useful to you in your life?
1: Maybe cooking. I cooking. hope so that I'm good at it. I don't know. Yeah, I would say cooking.
0: OK, uh, next question. If, if you could make a video go viral, um, and this video could carry any message that was important to you, what message would that be?
1: Kindness, uh, empathy, um, understanding and love, yeah, and acceptance.
0: Last question. This is the last one. Uh, what does the word success mean to you?
1: I think success means different things to different people and uh, you shouldn't compare um, your journey and your story to another person. Uh, for me, success means being able to do the things that I want to do, you know, on my terms, uh, being able to work on the projects that I want to work on uh, and being um I guess, financially paid for doing that, yeah. Um, So success sometimes doesn't really mean the big house and the fancy car, uh, but it just means um, having a happy life, uh, doing the things that uh, inspire me every day, waking up and knowing that I am contributing to the world uh, and doing the best that I can.
0: Uh, Thank you, Rosella, for your time. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, You are definitely... Uh, I mean, through this entire time, I can tell 100% that you're definitely someone that's doing what they want to do, right? And you, and you took that uh, brave step sometime in your mid to late 20s. Um, and I can see that it's materializing, right? Like with your work with true complexion, with your music, um, you, it, it really sounds like you, you're really into it. And that's what's really important, I think, in life. Obviously, we all have to balance uh you know financial responsibility and all that but if you can figure out a way to make your finances work and still do what you love i think it's it's a blessing right for lack of a better word i'm not sure it's the right word but definitely uh i think yeah you 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 definitely you definitely like, living the kind of life that a lot of people would love to live but it's not i suppose what most people would imagine it to be right uh I mean, it's
1: not always easy. Uh, People are going to judge you for the decisions that you make. Uh, But at the end of the day, I do believe that, you know, it's your life. You get to choose how you want to live it.
0: Yeah. So maybe we'll do this again one day. Hopefully. Yeah, cool. So uh, thanks again. Uh, And uh, we'll we'll catch up at the, uh, hopefully in another session. Bye. Yeah.
1: Bye. Thanks, Derek.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to the Hello Mentor podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, do hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple podcast. If you're trying to have a great career, or if you want to succeed in business, um, you will benefit from really, really getting to learn from some of the most inspiring people in Malaysia. And hopefully, you can replicate some of that success yourself. Uh, we have many, many more amazing people joining us soon and we expect to release an episode once every two weeks. So again, do hit that subscribe button to our podcast and you will be notified when the next episode is up. Also, this podcast is supported by WOP, the leading professional youth jobs platform in Malaysia. So if you're looking to hire great talent or if you're looking for a new job, Do also check us out at warpjobs.com, that's W-O-B-B jobs.com. Thank you again and I look forward to share the next episode with you soon.